Okay, here we are, another Monday <laughs> at yes. 12.30 uh, at the Wealth Fashion Show. We're going to be talking about opportunity cost today and opportunity lost, if that makes sense, and what that all means. Uh, you know, as a management accountant and cost accountant in industry, this was a real good way to measure investment return uh, and actually let people see. Because um, it was often, I used to have all the engineers coming to me, um, Richard, um, mm -hmm. for the plant. And used to go, how can I get this through this expenditure I'm about to spend on this this bit of plant and this bit of kit? Um, and then I used to say to them, I'll leave it with me. And then I used to work it all out for them. And I'd go back to them and say, OK, there you go, payback's less than two years. I'm like, how on earth did you manage to do that? <laughs> because I would never have thought of these things that they would justify me spending £200,000 or half a million pounds. Um, I yeah. actually got the gas turbine power station through at the time and I think it was about five million um based on a on a payback <laughs> and an opportunity cost and opportunity loss method. I didn't think that exists anymore. They've got the biomass now and but Tiller yeah. doesn't exist anymore either. Um but I remember I remember actually doing that for them. It was like five million pounds worth and they uh, managed to push it through, managed to justify it straight away financially. Um and, and this is what we're going to talk about in opportunity cost and opportunity loss. Um how are you anyway? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, very good this Monday. Um, but yeah, no, I totally agree. And it's like, I think you could definitely, obviously that is incorporated into how you, people run their vital business and how you look at things from a financial aspect and will it, will it be uh, viable in the long run? Um, and it's all about the numbers. Well, classic example of the opportunity, cost opportunity loss, and I'll tell you, and um, we will go into in depth and I'll tell you about my Lamborghini Huracan as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm intrigued, Jim, I'm intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not excited. I'll tell you what. Um, I posted. I think I mentioned it to someone uh, this morning. I'm like, really? A Lamborghini? Wait a minute. You were never going to buy a Lamborghini. It's like, but I'll tell you all about it in a minute. Um, yeah. So, classic example about um, uh, the opportunity cost, opportunity loss. Here's the one I always tell you. If I'm paying council tax on a property because possibly the one that I've got, you know, the one that I've got, it's yeah. Road, and it's a big, big problem overall. Yeah. Um, so I'm paying council tax on that, and maybe I'm having to pay £100 council tax on that every single month because it's sitting empty all that time. Um, the opportunity cost to me is the loss of rent and the £100. On top of that, yeah. Um, and that's really it in a nutshell, plus the fact the utilities and everything like that. So if I then rent that property, that property itself well, would be 450 or something rent. Uh, the £100, you're yeah. talking about 550 and then you're talking about utilities standing charges on top of that, you're talking about £600. So if I go and rent that property again, really, I'm actually benefiting renting it again by £600 because yeah. at this point in time, it's costing me more money. And that's what that's that's in a, in a smaller sense how that is. But let's talk about let's talk about the news. What's yeah. happening? Boom and gloom. Oh, my God, the world's falling <laughs> in. <laughs> I know, I know a lot of people avoid the news. But um, in the news, obviously, interest rates... Uh, is a big topic at the moment. Uh, the Bank of England are increasing their base rate. Um, we touched on this briefly last week, Joe, and you spoke about obviously correspondence. Oh, they'll not be increasing it. And in actual fact, it was the email I got said they were increasing. I didn't realise that the Halifax did actually send out an email by mistake and said, "Oh, it was just a mistake. It wasn't really real." And it was. It was actually a look back, and it was an email saying interest rates are increasing. Rate. <laughs> I just wonder when we spoke about it. But well, uh, like, and just... the obviously gave the game away straight away, and the market responded way before it was actually announced. It just shows how much I trusted your input because I thought, well, if Jim's telling me, 
Um, it must be right, but obviously you've just done it. It's just a bit of an oversight, I guess. But yeah, Thursday they increased the, the base rate, obviously 13 year high um, from 0.75 to 1%. Um, yeah. Now, um, obviously that is that is a big hike and, and it has been for a long time. And they're, they're, they're talking about between 1.15 and 2% by the end of the year. Do you, do you see that happening, Jim? Do you think that's something that... Actually, actually I'm going to steal your thunder there. Um, can yeah. I just... Uh, I'm going to share the screen. Uh, let me show you something here. Because uh, I thought, I'm going to dig this out. This is yeah. the this is the this um, from the bank. Uh, don't tell anybody I told you about this. Um, this is what their, their thing is. Uh, give me two seconds. Let's see it. Here it is. Here. Um, and I'm going to put this on screen. Uh, uh, this is for your eyes only, by the way. Uh, and nobody else tell anybody about this. Um, but this is this is from the bank. This is what the bank were discussing with me at the time. Uh, share screen, share screen. Here we go. Share screen. And we have... Here it is. Okay. See that all right? Yeah, it's just one. Okay. Monetary yes. Policy Committee's latest meeting concluded at two... Two uh, twenty-five uh, points uh, increase in the, t the rate base rates back up to its pre-pandemic level, while the outrun will uh, the line and expectations of the eight-to-one vote and split and da -de da da da. We could listen to that to the yeah. hearts uh, cows come home. Recent global developments and judged on accuracy um, and existing energy and commodity prices pressure, as well as exacerbating supply chain disruption. As a result, the um, NPC now expect inflation to rise a further uh, to around eight percent in quarter two, substantially higher than the previous uh, uh, estimate of April peak inflation of seven and uh, seven and a quarter. You, you, I mean, eight eight percent and seven and a quarter in our world is like really who cares? Yeah. Um, but to them, it's everything because it is the world economy when you think about it. Um, and the peak in the autumn, the further peak in the autumn. So this is what they were predicting. Can you see my wee arrow on there? So there's the interest rates way back um, in 1996 at six percent, yeah. and how they creeped up. Um, to to eight percent, and then they were all over the place. Two thousand, they were up at about five and a half percent base rates. And um, this is the historic forward rates that they were predicting. And, and, that, and then it dropped like a stone after the credit crunch. Yeah, just to the back of two thousand. Right along, and it's leveled out, leveled out, and see, there's their forecast. See it? Yeah. See how it's coming out. So they reckon twenty twenty four will be sitting at a base rates at probably two and a quarter. And then yeah. coming back down uh, after 2024 to probably about one and a half. Um, so that gives you a really uh, interesting look at where the banks are actually thinking at that think, point in yeah. time. Uh, yeah, the bottom one, five-year uh, five historic cost of funds. That's what it costs them. So see, it's actually gone up quite significantly um, since yeah. that time to them. For So that's the cost of funds to them to buy in order to, to get to you. Um, so it's quite an interesting uh, document. Uh, but that was the economic update they went through with me. Um, so I kind of thought I would share that with people and let them see exactly where we get our information from. Yeah. So is that something that they share with all the customers or just in no, certain individuals? No, 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 no. This is uh, this is because obviously I was going for 1.3 million. Yeah. Um, right, so right. they were like, okay, let's sit you down and take you through the, the whole rigmarole <laughs> of uh, the cost of funds and how much you'll and forecast. It. This is because if it all goes pear-shaped to go, well, we did tell you. <laughs> that's that's the reason that they do that we yeah. did tell you um kind of that scenario um uh, and, and it's like i okay then fine let's just, just let's just crack oh but we'll have to tell you it's like them reading out that simple thing at the beginning you know when you do a conversation a telephone conversation they go eh, we'll have to tell you we're recording this information for purposes and daddy daddy da and all the spiel at the end it's kind of like that uh, that's really what it comes down to. Uh, guys, if you're listening out there and you want to ask questions, please feel free to ask questions. Um, at the end of the day, 
Um, I'm assuming that everybody knows what I know, and I now know that isn't the case. So if you've, you've got a golden opportunity mm. there to then just backtrack, um, you won't look stupid or anything, because I'll tell you what, the question, uh, the most stupid question is the question never, never asked. asked. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, um, I think cool. it's really important to ask questions. I think uh, don't feel silly. I mean, even Jim and I learn from each other and other people on, on this, so, and that's the whole purpose in it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely ask questions. So Bank England, um, you reckon uh, uh, you reckon interest rates will be up by 2% by the end of twenty twenty? And in the news it's reporting, yeah, and I've read a few articles and things and it's saying to 1.5, I can't see that happening. I'm looking back at well, this. Well, that's why I asked you and I thought, what Yeah, I'm looking about? back at this graph and they're like 2023, 20, but I still even think because of the situation, the interest rates might not go that high. Now, the classic example of why they use interest rates, so the two mechanisms to take out consumer demand, because obviously people with mortgages are actually paying bigger mortgages, that's yeah. not going to work because most people, about 80% to 90% of people are actually on fixed rate deals. Mm -hmm. So that's typically not going to work with the normal consumer because their fixed rate deals are now on their mortgages. So, you know, that's why they would use it. Plus also, if they put in base rates up as well, they can put their, they can put the, well, if they've got any savings rates, to be honest, um, they could maybe add a quarter point on their savings as well. Um, that's really what it comes down to. Um, so one one mechanism that could get savings in, so that takes out demand because people aren't spending anymore. And the yeah. other mechanism is to take out the money from people through mortgages because they're then they're not spending anymore. So they're raining it in. Um, that's the kind of thing. Have a sneaking suspicion as well. This is you know deliberate ploy by the media, maybe instructed through the back by the government to exacerbate the situation a bit, to actually curb people's consumer spending as well. Yeah. You, you think what goes on behind the coat, you know, behind the scenes and everything like that, but you, you know yourself that this is all contrived sometimes. Um, you know, we're not having any meetings in lockdown. Really? Um, <laughs> well, that was, probably, that was possibly not the case, was it, Boris? Possibly not. No, I don't think that was very true, no. Yeah, that, and so you see what happens um, in the background. Uh, that, that generally happens all the time. Hence the reason why I didn't like going into politics, to be honest. No, I think uh, I would agree with you there. But uh, but yeah, mortgage interest rates, and then I think even though house prices, the house price to wage ratio, um, obviously smash right through what it was like 2007, 2008, um, mortgages are still 71% cheaper than what they were. Yeah. Um, let me share some info. We're talking about obviously fixed rates and things here. Just let me share my screen. Yeah. Uh, could you see that all right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, um, so the let me just tell you what you're looking at here. So the, the, the red line here, this goes back 2002 uh, up to obviously this year, 2022. Uh, the red line here is two-year fixed rate mortgages. The white is three-year fixed, yellow is five-year fixed. And the green is two-year variable rate. Um, so you can see the trend there, obviously, coming through from 2000 up until there's 2000, 2007, 2008 here, where it peaks, and then obviously uh, dips down there, and then obviously right along to that's up to February, um, yeah. where we're down about you know, somewhere between two and three uh, February 22, which we already know anyway. So what is that? Well, that tells us, obviously, I mean, it, it shows a similar trend to what you just showed on, on your yeah. screen there, Jim. But obviously, the um, it shows that ultra-low ultra low interest rates have made borrowing a lot more cheaper. Um, and it's kind of uh, inflating a housing bubble, which is, has made it difficult for some people to become mm -hmm. homeowners and things, like renters and things as well. 
um, we, we discussed that last week. I'm just going to take this off screen. We discussed that last week about the, the issues that people who are, I mean, there's a lot of people who rent if you choose to, but there's a lot of people who rent because they, they are unable to purchase now as well. Yeah. Um, and then it's, it brings you to the question, I mean, will these higher interest rates that are coming in cool down the country's property market? Which obviously, we've been, um, obviously, house prices and things are at high and things are really busy. Um, do you think that that will have that effect? Uh, I feel a bit of nervousness. I, I understand there's a bit of nervousness in the housing market in terms of in terms of property and in, in terms of property investment. But I tell you what, we're doing a we're doing a show at the end of this week, and we'll be doing a show about you know the housing crash. Is it coming? And we're also doing um, another the same show. We'll be doing four reasons why property investors are actually beginning to buy more property now, um, and 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 that's going to be combined with this uh, with the housing crash show. Um, we're going to be talking about that. Now, I'm saying the housing crash show, we're not predicting there's a housing crash, but we're going to look at the analytics behind yeah. that and tell you the reason why there might be or there might not be and what to watch out for and what to what to, what to just ignore completely. Uh, I'll, I'll, again, I'll come back to saying, to be honest, you've got to look at the facts. And the news is talking this down all the time. Uh, the facts and the reality are, it doesn't suggest that at all. Not in this area anyway, because mm -hmm. we, in, in terms of our price point for the average house price in Fife, is about half of the UK. Uh, and yet our ending capacity in Fife is almost the same as the UK. So, you know, the multiplier, and in, in, in other words, the number of the times the salary goes into the average house price is a yeah. lot less it is in Fife than it is in the UK, which means yeah. Fife is extremely affordable. And you can see that right now. I mean, yeah. two-bedroom flats are going for £80,000. Yeah. Has everybody lost their mind? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but when you think about that and you go back to 2007, that was kind of around where they were heading for anyway. Yeah. And I did say a year ago that the fastest increase in, pr in property prices will be flat. Flats, you didn't see that. No, because no. Of I'll that. vouch for you with that statement. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming because I've seen it before and it happens every single time. Um, yeah. Every single time that happens in an economy like this, it, it, it is automatic to happen. Uh, hence the reason why I ran out and I bought so many in terms of that, because I, I thought this is going to go up and up and up, and and it's perfect because then you can you can take the finance out and you can remortgage, um, and then you could go and buy more with that as well and earn more money and higher returns, um, opportunity cost, opportunity loss. You know that's what we're going to talk about. Um, so. Yeah, that graph's quite interesting. And although nobody saw that because we weren't no, sure. I'm, not meant to, I'm not meant to use it, but I thought I'd be interested just for a second. I wanted to show that for publication, actually. Um, <laughs> I thought I'd be fine. Um, I'm not using it in any posts on socials or anything. I just thought it'd be just, it's, it's interesting right. just to bring on and let's have a There's only 15,000 people seen it. <laughs> <laughs> They'll all see it at some point in time. Um, um, okay. Um, yeah, with, with ultra low interest rates, mate, borrowing cheap. You're absolutely yeah. right. Housing, they're all, all talking about housing bubbles. <sighs> really, is that going to happen? I, I, I don't think so. Shortage of supply. Um, but yeah. let's let's find out towards the end of the week. That's my gut reaction. The analytics behind this will be discussed at the end of the week on that show. Yeah. Um, and higher interest rates cool down the country's property market. I. I, again, I, I can't see that happening. I, I mean, when I talk about high interest rates, I'm talking in my mind. I'm thinking six and seven percent because that's the background I came from, and that's how I 
That's our stress test, most things. And the bank stress test about 5% just now anyway, when they actually do lending. Even though your lending's 2.5%, the bank stress test at about 5%, just to check that you can still afford it if it does go up to that level. Um, but we're doing that every single time, and I'll be yeah. showing you anyway, because we do that all the time when we do when we look at an investment strategy, whether it's worth it or not, and we look at the numbers behind that as a result. Um, so yes. so I think that's the most important thing, yeah? Right, that's that's like you say, obviously, uh, risk analysis, um, and we've looked at that before, uh, and shows also. Yeah, are we, we going to talk about my Lamborghini Huracan? Yeah, but I'm I'm on <laughs> I'm on the edge of my seat, Jim, because you've left you've left me you've left me hanging about as well, so I'm intrigued. So enlighten us. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here we go. Hold tight, everybody. <laughs> we're, we're we're off. Um, okay, right. Uh, that's the monitor policy plan. Lamborghini Huracan, look at that. What a machine. Uh, I tell you what, it's one of the top four. Well, it is top four out of the top six um, in yeah. Europe. And uh, starting price at $213,000. That's 170 grand to buy this car. Yeah. And I was last, all last week, I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Look at that car. Absolutely gorgeous. And look at that as well. And I thought, I'm going to look at it leasing as well, because it is a possibility. You know how they say about your cash flow and lease and everything like that. It's like, yeah. look at it leasing as well. You've got to really do that. So when we look at that, right, we're looking at, um, I mean, we're saying 1.2. So let's let's calculate on a wee calculator. Let's do a wee quick calculation right now. Uh, 1.2, and it's 213,100. And divided by $1.2, because it's $1.2 to the pound, about $178,000. That's pounds, sorry. That's roughly what yeah. comes on it. Give it, give or take a few quid. Um, so $178,000, uh, a pound, sorry. Outlay that uh, in cash. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm in a position I could do that. Um, and I tell you what, I'll look at the lease option as well. Uh, now, lease option for this. Um, this is this is how you think. This is how investors think. This is opportunity cost, opportunity lost. So yeah. we're talking about 178. I'm going to write some notes down. So to buy is 178 grand. Okay, cash. Yep. Chinese payment plan, one lump sum. Hey, hey, I'm here all week. Try the fish. <laughs> so a lease, um, lease options. So business lease. Let's look at that as well. Um, so business lease, uh, one seven six eight uh, times twenty uh, times twenty four. Um, um, so we're twenty four. Um, oh yeah, boy, really. It's like what one seven six eight times twenty four uh, no seven, times twelve. What am I doing here? Uh, twenty one thousand two hundred sixteen pound a month uh, a year. Sorry, so twenty one thousand to buy that. Now, when you think about the logic of this, Richard, mm-hmm. when I, and this is how I'm thinking. When I think about the logic of this, okay, I'm walking through this scenario and I think to myself, okay. If I, if I just leased it for a few years, because I'm you know, kind of, oh, I'm driven to it. Um, like the pun, driven to it. Um, 21,000 uh, to lease it every year. That would allow me 150,000 still to invest. But then when you think about it, you've got it for three years. Because that's, that's generally what they are, um, the three-year leases. So 63,000. So 63,000 for three years... 648 um, is there. We're on opportunity, cost opportunity loss, by the way, if anybody's no, if anybody's not yeah. seen this. Um, and that's X VAR. Now, you've got to justify that as a business expense, though. That is the problem. 
So, because how are you, how are you going to say, you know, as, as an estate agent, oh, I need a Lamborghini Huracan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need a Lamborghini Huracan. But then as a property trainer, if you're a property trainer and you train people, can you argue that purchasing a Lamborghini Huracan is all part of your smoking mirrors, you know, thing? To demonstrate. Get people to sign up for your courses. Oh, I can have a Lamborghini. To demonstrate the, the wealth you could create, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's the mentality I'm going on. But worst case scenario is you have to do it personally, 98.84. So there it is, there, personal lease. That's where the VAR yeah. included, times 24. Oh, there's the 24 again. Where am I getting that from? Um, so that is 27,586. That's out of your pocket. Now, that's 27,000 a year. I can what? For the purpose of the exercise, let me just recap here. That means you've got to spend 27,586 quid a year on leasing that car personally for a Lamborghini Huracan. Okay, or do you buy it for cash? £178,000. Now, £27,586. In order to in order to earn that, you're probably talking about 30% off in taxes. So divide that by by point point s point six six. Yeah. So you'd have to earn forty two thousand pounds to come out with twenty seven thousand just to pay for your car. Just to pay for your car. I was going to say that. Yeah. Okay. So we're at 42,000. So here we are. My Lamborghini Huracan. Love the car. Press the button. And I bought a house. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help it. I could not help it. I was driven to buy another house. Uh, genuinely. I've I, I made an offer, accepted this morning, done and dusted. Yes. Lamborghini Huracan is no more. I can't bring myself to do it because the house is more important. Now, yeah. why do I say that? Okay. This is a house. Okay. Now, this cost me 170. All right. Now, I'll be honest, it cost me 170. The reason I bought this is it's it's going to be our forever home eventually, anyway. That's what uh, I was just going to say. What's the purpose of this one, Jim? All right. Yeah. Two bedroom bungalow. It's a two bedroom bungalow for us uh, later on. We're going to keep it, we're going to rent it just now. Funny feeling, don't tell my mum and dad yet, but my mum and dad might need it at some point in time because yeah. of their situation. You know their yeah. situation. Yeah. Um, and that's what I've done. It. I never did, I never wanted to go to them first and say to them, oh, that like, you could use this and all the rest of it. I'd rather, we're going to have it anyway for Elaine and I. So that's yeah. the reality of that. Um, so we've got we've got that situation where we've done that. Now, this is how I this is how I look at things, Richard. And, and I'll take you back to what I'm talking about here. Um, so that's 170. Okay, now uh, that price at this point in time, and I, and and again, I'll I'll just I'll stop sharing that, and I'll I'll bring up my spread because we're into numbers now. Here yeah. we go. Uh, we're into numbers, and we'll look at the numbers for this. Um, and we'll bring up. I've re I've revised my investment sheet again uh, to take into account the payback now. So that will be another upgrade to give out to the the people yeah. that are in the organize uh, the club, um, knowing the club as in you know what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, no, that in the club. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about in the club as in in the investment workshops that we do privately. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about that. But I've upgraded that so these people will get a copy of this as well. So you'll be able to send that out to them. So I've upgraded to include the payback. See that bit there? Oh, yeah. It says 35-year payback in that scenario. Um, and, and 
let me take you through this. So let me take you through this scenario here um, and uh, zero there and zero there um, and zero there. Um, so, and zero there. All right, okay, so let, let's go through this. Um, can you see that spreadsheet okay, Richard? Yeah, yeah, I can see that clear. Right, 170,000. This is why I talk about opportunity, cost opportunity loss. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to pay 4% on it. No got any choice yeah. in that. Now, I'm buying this in a limited company for various tax reasons. It's more advantageous rather than in my personal name. Um, and that's fine with me. Still pay the 4% ADS on this, the additional dwelling supplement. Um, you have a, um, possibly, you can maybe release a 40% loan to value. Um, the reason I say you can only probably get a 40% loan to value is, is purely for that. Well, let's do 100%. Let's do it. Let's just do, we bought it outright. What yeah. would a two-bedroom bungalow um, rent for, Richard? Well, probably about the 600 mark. 600. Um, so you can see there straight away that that will generate a rent of 7,200 a year. Yeah. Now, the likelihood of that being occupied is probably 100%. Yeah, 100%. That'll, uh, one like that. And in the area that I know it's in, it'll, it'll be filled. Yeah, okay. the year. 100%. And we've got a six, £600 cash every month because there is no mortgage. Gross yield, 4%. Yield of a mortgage because there is no mortgage, 4%. Overhead, 30%. That's assumed uh, somebody else manages it. Uh, you guys manage it, and there's wee repairs to do now and again. Um, yeah. That's it in a nutshell. So basically, I'm going to come out with five grand uh, for this investment, 170,000. Um, actually, it's not an investment, 170,000. It's an investment of 178,000. Yeah. Yeah. Same price as. Yeah. Same price as Lamborghini Huracan. I've just bought a house instead. Now, Lamborghini Huracan is going to cost me um, to earn. I'm going to have to earn £42,000 a year just to afford the lease payments for a £27,000 Lamborghini Huracan every single year for the next three years. I have to earn forty-two grand. Okay? There's an opportunity cost already yeah. of investing. So, classic example of that, is I'm, I'm telling you, is just so we get this clear, 40, 42,000 is what I would have as an, as an opportunity cost, as a cost of leasing a Lamborghini Huracan. So that immediately goes into my numbers about that's going to cost me 42 grand. Okay? Yeah. Then, also, the other opportunity loss out of this is the fact that I'm going to lose £5,000 a year in rent. <clears throat> yeah? Makes sense? Yeah. So if I go and buy a Lamborghini Huracan or lease it, if I lease it anyway, or if I if I if I buy it outright, I'm lo I'm losing five grand anyway because I'm losing this. But I'm also losing the appreciation in this. I was just going to say, yeah, if buy now, right? You're going to lose on the appreciation. Now. It's assumed every twenty years, right? Every twenty years, uh, property prices will double. Now people are saying, I mean, there's people out there saying ten years. It's like get a grip, pal. You're delusional. It's not going to be every ten years right now probably going to be every 20 years than now um, because property prices have moved up so dramatically and that, that huge amount has been taken into account. So, you know, be realistic, 20 years. So I do 5% of the initial equity every single year. So the 5 comes from 5 divided by 100 is the 20. Yeah? So okay. that's 20 years. So 5% is the, the uplift every year from the initial amount. And that means it goes up 85,000. So I'm losing 85,000 plus the 5,000. So over a 10-year period, I'm effectively losing 135 grand. See that figure there? Yeah. Yeah? 
So I'm not, I'm not, I'm just, I'm not just losing um, everything else. I'm losing 135 grand by going and buying it for cash over a 10 year period. Mm -hmm. Makes sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Plus, I'm losing the value in depreciation because I just looked at one other day, it's three years old and they're at 133 grand. So I'm even losing 40,000 pounds on top of that. So mm -hmm. my opportunity loss or cost is now £175,000. In a 10-year period, I've lost the initial amount I invested if I, if I went and bought the car for cash. Yeah. Make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that is the cost at that point in time, the £170,000 um, over a 10-year period I'm losing. Um, but let's take this one step further and say, okay, let's. what could we do with this, right? Because let's be honest, if I try to if I try to get a mortgage on this, there's no way the bank's going to give me 25%, 75% loan to value because the multiplier for the rent coverage won't be enough. Yeah. Yeah. You need to be, I know that. What, what is it? Just to, to remind everybody that obviously you're qualifying. It has to be 125% rent cover or 140, depending on what deal you're going into. Um, now, people like Kesser and Neil will be able to tell you more about that, but you can easily see that on websites like, mm -hmm. you know, like the um, like the Mortgage Works or like Birmingham Midshires. Um, these are classic websites which can actually show you all that information. Um, let's just jump onto that and take that one step further. I'm, I'm going to um, share that. Um, these kind of websites are good for finding information like that. Like, obviously, you need the 125%. <laughs> It probably was going to be canary yellow, but there's a surprise, boy. Maybe yellow and gold, black and gold. Um, maybe that's maybe that's what it was going to be. Um, so uh, let's remove that and just jump on, and I'll show you the websites. Um, let's open Google Chrome. Now, I have got uh, Birmingham Midshires on there straight away, so you can go home and straight to that, and let's jump back on to the sharing the screen. Uh, guys, if you've got any questions, please feel free to ask. More than happy to tell um, at any point, uh, any information or any advice I can give you will help you. So there's Birmingham Midshires, classic example. Um, yep. So you go into BM Solutions, you've got your products, you've got your buy-to-let, you've got your different criteria. To be honest, Birmingham Midshires is quite restrictive. It's only They're only allowed up to 10 properties, then you're getting portfolio advanced uh, lending. Um, but look at the interest rates for normal uh, normal run-of-the-mill, not a buy-to-let limited company, but you're looking at 2.38 fixed yeah. at 75% loan to value. Um, 2.45 five-year fixed rate deal at 60%. So, I mean, if I bought it more name, it could have been 60% at 2.45. Um, so if I did that 60% at 2.45 and jump back to that, um, and I, actually I'll show you. Um, so that's 60% at 2.45. Take that down first. Because I'm going to come back to that. That's BM and personal. And then we'll just jump onto the mortgage works. And we'll look at buy to let limited company. And look at all the things. Well, there's there's rates in there anyway. Um, you've got a 75% loan to value, one year, five year. There's five year buy to let, 75%, no arrangement fee, 3.49. And that's a five-year deal as well, and that's uh, um, um, uh, the mortgage works. Now, um, you don't get direct with these people. You have to go through brokers to get that. That's why yeah. Chester and Neil are the people to go through. I Kester, was just about to say, Chester is definitely um, the person I would I would say for bigger portfolio lending. 
um, and uh, Neil would be one or twos. Um, but Kester's got a real background in it, and he actually uh, he actually is a landlord himself. Um, yeah, so you just answered of, my next question because I was going to say, obviously, looking at this and people who obviously aren't confident about the mortgage yeah. side of things, this is what mortgage brokers do and find you the best deal depending on what your circumstances and things are. So, absolutely, it's amazing how many people actually go in and say, "Oh, well, you know, I could, I could, I could do things like that myself, and I can help myself." And I'm thinking, "Oh, no, you didn't get it at all." Mm -hmm. The mortgage broker understands things that you don't know at this point in time. You know, the frightening, the frightening thing about it is you don't know what you don't know, and that is the only thing that you should be really fearful about. And yeah. that's why you need to go to an expert, somebody that knows what they're talking about. It will know what you don't know, so you can actually make a decision on facts and the right information, rather than actually just leaving things to chance and hoping for the best. And to pay a mortgage broker, somebody was talking about I would pay them two grand. They're like, no, you didn't. Some mortgage brokers actually do it for just the fee they get from the bank. You know, and they're, they're going to get that anyway. If you go straight to the bank, that'll yeah. still be, there's no difference. Um, and then some lenders, uh, some mortgage brokers actually just charge probably about 400 quid to 500 yeah. quid. It's like to get somebody's professional personal advice, it could save you hundreds, if not thousands of pounds in the future and actually get you to, into deals, into actual mortgage deals that you actually can't get direct with a lender or through your bank because they get it as an intermediary. Um, now, that's what I'm talking about when they go to the mortgage works, when they go to Birmingham Midshires, they go to intermediaries. They won't deal with the public direct. Um, and that's where your benefit is because they get access to it. They're the biggest lenders and they know exactly what they're talking about. Um, so I would, my advice to you, Richard, and to anybody else out there, you should always use a mortgage broker and yeah. know what they're doing for that reason. You don't know what you don't know. That's the frightening thing about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, that fee is always going to be there. So to get the expertise with that, I mean, um, obviously, it's silly not to go through that avenue and get the right um, information and assistance for somebody who's trained to do that. I also... Um, I also think that it's important that uh, you do that, especially if you're building a portfolio and you're going to have, you're going to, this is something you're going to kind of rinse and repeat all the time. Have somebody there that you can just say, right, this is my next one, or this is what I want to do next. How do we go about this? What, and they'll, and they'll find you the best. They would do that. Absolutely. Well done, Richard. That's a good, that's a good point. Um, okay. So let's... We're at the 60% for 2.45 and 75% at 3.49. Okay. So let's look at the 40% deposit we'd have to put down on this. Uh, right. Let's look at the 2.45, bought in our own name. There is no arrangement fee on that. So there you go. So there's the numbers. So basically, you know, we're getting that. We're getting gross yield. We're getting 6.1%. Uh, and then we're coming up with 2,500 quid a year. Um, so 2,541 a year. Over a 10-year period, uh, capital appreciation again. Remember, that all gets taken into account. Um, you're making 110,000 if it goes up over the 10-year period, the 5% from the initial amount. So you make 110 grand, okay? Which is equivalent to about 144% on the initial investment. All right, yeah. the initial investment here is 76,000 now. See that? Yeah. Because I've only got that equity plus the plus the stamp duty plus the initial equity for the lawyer and also for putting that in as well. I will have to pay a wee bit more stamp duty because obviously we're into 170,000 for this. And so bear with me. I mean, it's not an exact science, but it comes to roundabout. And for the purpose of the exercise, the opportunity cost, opportunity loss, you'll understand what I mean um, in terms of that. Um, so yeah, go and ask me, is that a really good investment, Richard? Is that a good investment, Jim? Is that a really good investment, Jim? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
and and you know why? Because it's not the worst one, but it's, I wouldn't say yeah. it's a really good one. But look, but look what happens even if even if I do the company rate at three point four nine. You're getting you're getting fourteen hundred now. I mean, your 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 net return is one point nine percent, and naturally, it's it's probably what you'll get in the bank anyway. Plus the fact you're getting appreciation over the ten year, so you're still making ninety nine grand, yeah. and, and through a limited company, so you're still making ninety nine grand through a limited company, right? Which is effectively um, the hundred thirty percent return on initial investment. All right. Yeah. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. But let's be honest. If you had 170 grand, what would you do? I wouldn't buy a Lamborghini. Yeah. And you I wouldn't would buy... Invest, I would invest. I would invest it. Would you? Sorry? You wouldn't buy this house, would you? If it, no, this wouldn't, that wouldn't be. But it wasn't then, a personal decision. You wouldn't buy this house, would you? No, I wouldn't do this as an investment, no. But in your circumstances, there's a reason that you did. Yeah. So what else could you get for 170 grand? You could you could buy a, a few houses, a, couple of, a good few flats. Yeah, I mean, like you say, two bedroom flats are going about yeah, 70, 70, 80 grand just now. Um, we're getting two bedroom houses about the eighty, we'll, we'll ninety play, just we'll now. Play the, we'll play the numbers game. We'll say eighty thousand because it's going yeah. to take into account now and again a two bedroom terrace house in Glen Office. Yeah. Um. So we'll play eighty thousand now. When you think about the logic of that, um, we've got zero here, um, because we're not putting anything in there. We're just buying it. You could buy. You could effectively buy two for that, couldn't you? Yeah. And you're looking at one hundred and seventy grand in, aren't you? So there it is there, 170 grand in. Now, yeah. your rent every month for an 80 grand property, um, you know, a, a, a two-bedroom apartment or possibly uh, you'd be looking at a two-bedroom house. What are you thinking, Richard? Yeah. Well, two-bedroom houses at the moment, we are doing a, a, we're doing at 575. Wow. 550, 550, 575. I've just done one at 575, so. So oh, 550. Yeah. Right, look at that. My 170 grand that produced five grand a year is now almost double. Yeah. Because I've got two properties now. And I'm now 172,000. And before I was sitting at 110 over a 10 year period. See that? Def that definitely makes obviously a lot more sense from an investment perspective. Yep. But what could you do if you decided to leverage your position with the bank and put in? 75% loan to value. Yeah. Engagement fee with the bank. Well, you're getting away with zero the now. Yeah. Aren't you? At 3.49. Yep. And yet, look at here. With the with the amount that we've done, we've only got 50 grand in there. So essentially, you could potentially get another another three times. So you can get six. But we've only got 135 in there. So potentially you could possibly get seven. We've got 157 there. Potentially, we could get eight. There you go. Eight is the lucky number. 179 in. Yeah. All in. So my initial investment of the 170 grand in a Lambo, at 179, I've now put into eight properties. I've leveraged it with the bank. We know it's 3.49. We know it's zero. We know it's 25% deposit. We know the rent on it is 550 a month. We know the 5% is appreciation over the next 20 years, 5% every year of the initial amount, because remember it compounds, so I'm taking into account that 5% won't be 5% in 10 years' time, it'll be 5% of the initial amount. Um, yeah. So the compounding amount, really, is what we're saying. And we've now gone up to £20,000. Yeah. Also, if you're doing that... Same money, same money, 20 grand instead of five grand. 
Makes sense. Yeah, you've worked out your stamp duty correctly because you've got if you were buying these as absolutely one, yeah, aye. I've got the multiplier. It's all been changed. It's aye. all in there formulated. Right. Okay. That's and fair. the payback on that is it will take you nine years to recoup your initial investment. Nine years to get your hundred seventy nine back if you don't touch that at all. But look at the amount of income that could give someone every single month. Every single yeah. month before tax, that can give you an income of £1,700. Who would like an income of £1,700? I mean, investment, a passive investment, management fees are in there already. You're in there right now here. The management fees and repair bills for yeah. your odds, overheads and repairs and all the rest of it. I'll not take into account major ones, but but when you think about it, if you've got that enough and for 15,000 overheads, right, for the management fees, and the repairs. The repairs is half of that, so you're £7,000. Now, you're not going to spend that on every single property every single year. You're going to have now and again, it's going to be spread because you've now got eight properties. And everybody, yeah, this is a headache. It's like, I've got eight properties now. You're not dealing with them. You're, no de you're hands off, you're passive. Yeah, I'm just going to say passive income, and you've got, you've got the right people in place looking after it for you. So technically, you should not really have that much involvement. You've just sort of like uh, going to enjoy the flutations of the the passive income coming through. I mean, seventeen hundred pounds a month. I mean, that's that's the typical average, uh, probably slightly above average salary. Um, well, average salary is about thirty grand. Yeah. Um, so you're you're talking about two thirds of average salary, and you're actually not doing anything for them except initially initially investing your money. Now, I've got to be honest, that could change the occupancy rate for some of them. But if you've got eight of them running. Think about this. If you've got eight of them running, one goes down. Are you really bothered if seven of them are still making money? Well, let's take one out of the equation. Do that then, Jim, and see how it... Well, you would... Um, um, I'll, I'll, I'll take it down to, say, um, the 11 months occupancy. Yeah. You're still going down to 17 grand. Every single property is empty for one month. Yeah. I mean, that's not going to happen when you think about it, because that's, that's, no. that's eight months empty. You're never going to have all the properties empty. That means, you know, that's that. I didn't think that's possible. Um, to be honest, because um, our occupancy rate sits at what, 98%? 98% right. Our occupancy rate sits at 98% over the last year, the whole of last year, for every single property we manage, it's yeah. sitting at 98%. So that's very unlikely it's going to be sitting down at 11 uh, months. Um, so that's okay. Um, in terms of um, rent, if the rent dropped, rent controls came in. So what is the average rent for a two-bedroom? Well, if we could bring it down to 500 yeah, okay. But average rent came down, you've still got 14,000 coming in. You're still yeah. earning £1,400 a month down the bottom there in this scenario. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, the 555, 75s, obviously, because we're in a good market just now, but I mean, I, I wouldn't see it ever going much yeah. lower than the 500. So 550. Okay, interest rates decide to go up. Now, you're on a five year fixed rate deal, by the way, at 3.49. Yeah. That's yeah. what that was. That but was, just yeah. the interest rate did go up and you were floating at the time. So the, if interest rates went up to 7%, where are we? We're still okay. We're still at three grand. So you're still covered. Yeah. Now, here is the kicker here. Here is where you've got to understand this and get get this around your head, right? We started off with one property, which was which was how much? How much was that worth, Richard? One property. It ended up being something like a return of 110,000. So that was, then, was then it was 99,000, wasn't it? Yeah. So 99,000 was the initial overall return. Under this scenario, with the same money, you're earning 522,000 pound. Yeah. There is an opportunity. So when you look at this, 
The 522 that you'll be making, the 522 is the capital here and the appreciation over the years, 320,000, and then the profit is, two, is 202,000, which is not there. That is 11% net return on, on, on return. Now, yeah. if you decided that you bought a, the property is at 70,000, just say you managed to pick them up at 70 grand, and you 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 change things, and you could actually get another one out of there. There you go. You get number nine. But your your investment return has now gone up to five hundred sixty five thousand. Um, so you've actually made another forty thousand just actually changing your numbers at the beginning. Yeah. But we'll put it back to eighty thousand, and we'll leave it on eight. Um, and we'll talk about the payback. Uh, look at the return on capital: two hundred ninety one percent. Yeah. So 291 versus 130 in the beginning. Blows your mind, eh? It does, yeah. The amount of people out there, and I'll just take this off the now. The I think it's good people, to look at that. The yeah. amount of people out there, the amount of people out there that think they should buy high-value properties and they don't realise that they're maximising, the, the way to maximise your return is actually to buy them at what we are doing. I do this day in, day out for the last 30 years. I know exactly what I'm doing with everything. I just got another eight over the line last two weeks ago or two or three weeks ago, didn't I? Um, yeah. And this is a this is a formulated system at work every single time. Now, it may look simple to you, um, the way I'm presenting this, and it's like, oh, I know where that all works, and I can see where that all works. I could maybe go and do that myself, but for God's sake, didn't I try and do that? Because you don't understand the pitfalls. It's an amazing amount of people that run about there and still say, I'm getting tax-free money. Mm -hmm. It's like you're not getting tax-free money when you're borrowing for the bank again on the existing property because it's got a deferred taxation liability on it at some yeah. point in time. Because when you go to sell it, and you will go to sell it, I'll keep forever and pass to my children anyway, so it'll make no difference. But most people in their circumstances will have to sell. Even though you tell yourself you will, you will. You'll get to where, well, you'll get to where I'm now and go, holy shit, I never knew about that. Yeah, and that's what will happen to you because it happened to me. <laughs> that's why that's why it's good for for uh, obviously investors and people that are new and things to listen to people like uh, obviously yourself and, and watch things like our, our wealth creation show where you could ask questions and learn from people that have made mistakes and things. That's, that's the best way to do it. And it all happened to me, Richard. That is the yeah. key here. It's happening to me still right now in that process and what I'm doing. But yep. the great thing is everybody's learning by my, the mistakes that I'm making. It's a classic example. If you want to jump a hurdle, do you actually go and jump it yourself or do you watch an Olympic athlete jump it first and then study their style and then go and jump it? You study the style of the Olympic athlete first and you think, okay, I'm going to get it right first. And then you go and do it. You don't just go, I tell you what, I'll just keep doing it again. But that doesn't mean to say you've got to have paralysis analysis and actually stick it where you are and think to yourself, oh, I better know. It's like, oh, you'll never do it if you get if you try to get perfect. You must do something. But the key is to have someone at your back every single time, being able to get you all these pitfalls, take you away from all these pitfalls, and let you understand the dynamics of how this works. I, I mean, does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely does. And I, I keep thinking, I, I just keep thinking back to as you were going through the, the sheet there and the figures and, and obviously the price point of uh, the properties. And you're seeing obviously you continually hear people are purchasing higher value properties. Um, yeah, as a, thanks for that, Karen. It's amazing to see how how if you manage your money properly, then the, the, the rewards Boom. are the best. Yeah. That's, that's literally <laughs> it. Boom. Holy shit. 
Yeah. It's like, really? I can take £178,000 that I would have spent on a Lamborghini Huracan and I could actually make 520000 over the next 10 years with that same money. Yeah. And I think, like I was going to say, John, the, the, the price point of the property thing... I, by the way, you've still got your 178000 because that's yeah, the equity. Yeah, you get that back, yeah. All right, the, the increases are on top of that. So you've got your 178000 plus you've got your 520000 Yeah. Yeah, it does blow your mind, doesn't it? It will blow a lot of people's mind. Um, and it just shows you that if it's done, if you do it correctly, it works. It's tried and tested by yourself, like you say, Jim, uh, and other people who know who what they're doing. But yeah, the, the price point of property, you said you, you hear a lot of people buying higher value properties. And I think there's a wee bit of misconception where people think if they buy a higher value property with all these high end fixtures, they're going to get a better tenant. And I don't, that's that's not true. We're picking up properties around about this, this price, price point for yourself, Jim turning them around, making them really nice properties, and we've got, we've got brilliant tenants in there. All right, so let's keep that track moving out, and we'll tell you just towards the end, in the next five to 10 minutes, how much it really costs you to buy a Lamborghini Huracan. It's yeah. going to blow your mind. <laughs> opportunity cost, opportunity loss. Um, this will blow your mind how much it really costs you if you go and buy a Lamborghini Huracan for cash, even yeah. worse than you lease it. Yeah, the, the, the leasing price was a bit scary there, to be honest. <laughs> when Absolutely. you look at it. Oh, keep its money, though. I know it won't. <laughs> because if you look right now, they're on at 130 grand after three years or something. So it doesn't keep its money at all. Uh, I, I do get the, the odd person that says, oh, well, you get classic cars and all the rest that will keep its money. Very few in a recession keep their money. They drop like a stone. It's the yep. first thing to hit the market in classic cars is when 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 a recession comes in, it doesn't hold value. It immediately drops because there's no demand. Remember, it's a luxury item. Luxury items are things that you do not want to have in a recession. It is, it's belts and braces, bricks and mortar, because everybody needs a roof over their head. And it's not holiday lets because everybody can do without a holiday um, when you think about it. And it's potentially not student accommodation because everybody can do without an education. Ah, that's an interesting one, eh? That's another yeah. story. I know you didn't want to tell your kids that, but the reality is, how many people have actually just gone and went to be multi-billionaires and millionaires and with no education. formal education? Yeah. It's not education that drives you forward. If you're in a profession and you want to be a, a professional and maybe in pharmacy, you want to be a doctor, you want to be an accountant, you have to have an education formally and a qualification to be that person. Other yeah. than that, if it's not a profession that you're after, then... I would argue that your education is not what's going to drive you forward at any point in time. The most important thing is going to drive you forward is your attitude towards everything. How are you going to, what's, what are you going to do when you get knocked down? Um, you know, it's when I get knocked down, I get up again. <laughs> I know my singing's no great. Eh? <laughs> Tub thumping. <laughs> um, but it's true. It's that scenario where it's, it, what do you do when you go down? You get back up. That's it. That's really what it comes into. Perry actually says it's there. It's want versus need. Maybe, I'll tell you what, Perry. My experience, and, and it's just it's definitely experience, it's great for the first couple of weeks having a car like that, but then it wears off. So what my suggestion is to you, if you really want a, hur a hurricane, a Lamborghini hurricane, oh, I mean, I've got to say, it's a beautiful car. If you really want something like that, go and hire it for a couple of weeks and get out of your system. Yeah, I was going to say, if it costs you five or ten grand for the two weeks, pay the damn amount of money, 
go and have a great time in it, run about everywhere you can, show it to your friends, put pictures of yourself in it, and tell everybody you bought it. It's like, <laughs> if it makes you feel good. But you're buying things that you don't need for to impress people that you don't even like. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. And that's yeah, where I think... it works. Whereas on social media, look at me. Yeah, look at, you know, you know it's hard to do anything like that at all. Yeah. You know, I, I'll go into social media for a purpose and it's actually to sell a house, is to give somebody some information and all the rest of it. I'm not a big fan of just going on and going, hey, look how great I look. You know, it's like, big deal. Eh? It's like, <laughs> um, I've, it, 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 the Shania Twain song, it doesn't impress me much. I suppose. Yeah. Um, let's come back and before we finalise and talk. Just going to say, what let's think, recap. Yeah. What do you think the true cost of actually buying a Lamborghini Huracan for cash is? It's just uh, you asking me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anybody out there? If you're watching right now, if you're buying a Lamborghini Huracan and it's one hundred seventy-eight thousand pound to buy right now, what do you think the true cost of you buying a Lamborghini Huracan actually is? Let's see if anybody's brave enough to actually put <laughs> something down. What do you think, Richard? Well, I think it's clearly demonstrated in the fact that what you could make in terms of profit um, and and a return and passive income on that investment on those eight properties—that's yep. what you're missing. That's what you're that's your loss because you mm -hmm. could invested that money in that, and that could have been your return as opposed to either buying the Lamborghini outright or, like you see, obviously, the scary monthly uh, rental prices. Uh, but to me, that's that's basically what your loss is. Okay. That's interesting. Ewan actually says it depends if you've got the money to invest too. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> Ewan. Hey, Ewan, I'll, I'll tell you what, Ewan, uh, you know yourself, Ewan, I, I could show anybody how to do this. Um, anybody how to do this from stand and start. And actually, it took me eight years to become a millionaire, let's be, I'm going to say it. It took me eight years from a standing start, from no money at all. I think I had 23 grand. I think Elaine got a redundancy and we went, you're beauty. And I knew exactly what to do with that. So she got a redundancy from Diageo and the rest was history. It took me eight years to get to that point to retire from a work millionaire. And I think I was earning at that point, top line, £188,000 um, income. And it's like, wow. It's like, it was like, a, I was only in a six times less than that in my job. Um, but it just shows you. And that was effectively me working one and a half days a week for that. Um, but it can be done. Uh, Perry actually says 220,000. 220, uh, good guess, Perry. Good guess. Um, um, and I've seen another couple of things coming through. I'm going to tell you right now, um, the cost of you buying a Lamborghini Huracan is over the, over the next 10 years of you bought it for cash right now is £700,000. Which is your... Which is your total? Is this your five hundred twenty-two plus your profit at two hundred two? Yeah. So basically, what you would make? No, 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 no. It's the five hundred twenty-two thousand. That's yeah. the five hundred twenty-two. Yeah. And you're having one hundred seventy-nine payback. Absolutely. Yeah. Plus the one hundred seventy-eight thousand that you've actually bought it for. Yeah. Seven hundred thousand pound because it doesn't go up in value over the next ten years. It mm -hmm. depreciates. And effectively, and I mean, admittedly, there'll be a residual amount, maybe 50 grand that's worth in 10 years' time. So it's 650,000 you've lost yeah. just because you invested. Just because you invested 178,000 pounds in buying a brand new car like that, you lost out on 700,000 pounds over the next 10 years. And 
Look at the next 20 years. Look at a 20-year period. If you took over 20 years, you'd be looking at £1 million. Pounds. Yeah. You've lost one million, one point two million, basically because you bought a Lamborghini Huracan twenty years before. Over thirty years, one point five. Over forty years, two million. So because you and because you stupidly bought, <laughs> oh, that's really insulting to all the people that have gone out and bought fast cars. Eh? <laughs> but but I tell you what. You know, one of us doesn't need to work again and can sit on a beach for the rest of their life and still get paid and not actually have any involvement in their business at all. Um, and possibly the other one on the other side is still working for the rest of their days to pay their yeah. their car. That's really what it comes down to. Was it really worth it in the beginning? Your child's education, you could just go that. Your child wants a new house. You can just go and buy one for them. Your child wants a, to go to higher education. You can just invest in that as well. What else could we, What else would you spend on, Richard? If you had all that money, what would you spend it on? I, I'd probably, I would invest. I would, I would invest. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's nice to buy things for yourself, and I think you could buy relatively mid-range. Things you want, you want to do for other people. What charities would you be able to help? What about yeah. all the ones that you'd really want to help, but you've never been able to help because you didn't have the money to do it? But oh, you bought a Lamborghini Huracan. No, I would be, be able to justify it to yourself. Uh, the numbers would just the numbers there just wouldn't I, I just wouldn't even say thought um i mean it's nice to have a a, a, a nice car and a half decent car but maybe not at that level <laughs> could you imagine just the luxury you would have of being able to choose whether you want to work or not yeah whether you can travel and things and, and, do and you things can travel never without... mind never mind economy or club class business class yeah first class upper class you could stay in all these big resorts that are like £3,000 a night and you wouldn't need to buy an eyelid, all because you didn't buy a Lamborghini Huracan 40 years ago. <laughs> I think, that, I think ago. The, uh, the prospect of lifestyle like that, as opposed to material things, uh, uh, definitely outweighs it, for me anyway. Yeah. Uh, so this is my dilemma. Every single time, just to finish off here, every single time, this is exactly what I do. When I go to think about um, stupid things, in my opinion, for me, is to go and buy something like that, like a Lamborghini Huracan. I would love to have it. And I tell you what, I had the real enjoyment of having it last week in my mind. <laughs> I drove it. And I experienced it. And I felt all the emotion of having the Lamborghini Huracan, but I never paid a penny for it because I envisaged it and I imagined it and I felt it. The thing is, they're not very practical cars. And if you want to go and test drive them, go and do that. Just then they kid yourself, they're brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> not, not a practical family car anyway, but anyway. <laughs> no, that's what broke people say, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's it, really, in a nutshell. Your Lamborghini Huracan over the next 10 years for buying it has cost you £700,000. What could you have used that on for your family, for everybody around about you? What would you have done? What beach would you have been on? What mountain would you have climbed? What other things could you have bought? What other yeah. things, who, other, who else could you have? What charity and local causes and what could you have done? All these different choices that you've eliminated just because you felt that you needed to have that car. Yeah. And that's me for this week, guys. <laughs> Final words, Richard. Gobsmack. Yeah, I, just, I, 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 think you, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Jim. And uh, yeah, I definitely think it's, it's worth looking at your opportunity uh, cost uh, when you're doing any analysis, really. 
Yep, and the Investor Club will get that sent out again. I'll, spend, yep. I'll send that spreadsheet over to you again, Richard, and the Investor Club can get that sent out to us. And, and until next week, guys, it's bye-bye from him. Bye-bye from him.